0: Welcome to episode number 65 of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my co-host Alex. He is here with me today. We have some giant news to cover a little bit, literally nothing. To be honest, um, we have some players going on the injury uh, or one player going on the IR. We have Daniel Jones, no news on him. Of course, it's probably going to come out on Thursday and it's going to suck for us, but he has not practiced so far this week. We're now at Wednesday. Usually the decision point for, for players is Wednesday. Once they don't practice on Wednesday, they're out on Sunday. That could change. We'll see what happens. I have no idea. Um, but apparently the Giants are awaiting big news or not big news, the news. They're awaiting news that'll uh you know let them know the exact status for this weekend and whether Daniel Jones will start or not. Once again, it seems very unlikely, but it's still not definite. Um, I mean the last the last report that I see right now is Joe Judge uh can speak to how Daniel Jones is feeling physically. He just knows he's here today working very hard and doing everything he can, but he hasn't practiced, so he obviously, you know, I, I'm not going to say he isn't working that hard, but he's he obviously, hasn't, uh, he obviously hasn't practiced with the Giants so far this week. So, Alex, how's it going today? How are your feelings going into this Sunday? As we mentioned uh, in the interview with Mookie Alexander of uh, Field Goals, which is SB Nation uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, how do you feel going into that game?
1: I am not feeling good at all. Um, I hate our chances in this game. I don't like it. I do not like the thought of, as I mentioned this in the interview, actually, Isaac Yadam covering either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. That scares me. That really scares me. Even DK Metcalf against anyone scares me. And Tyler Lockett against anyone, but Isaac Yadam? Yes, we've been giving him credit, right? Even against Darnay, even against James Bradbury, it's just a scary proposition. That offense is so scary. Um, luckily, our defensive line. Um, has been doing very well this season. Their offensive line obviously is quite weak. There's a few injuries, like, um, all all across their line, actually. So that could be an area where we see, uh, you know, some pressure that we get towards Russell Wilson, and maybe hopefully it stops some of the offense. But, yeah, definitely not a game I'm excited for, but we're rolling, most likely with Colt McCoy, um, you know, my new favorite quarterback. So, uh We'll see how he does, and hopefully with a full week of practice, he will be better than his uh, showing when he came in against the Bengals um, after Daniel Jones went down.
0: One thing that I am excited about, uh, and to be honest, I'm actually um, very excited about this, is how the New York Giants um, run, you know, rushing does against the Seattle Seahawks, which are known to have a really bad defense. And I should have started the show or the podcast with this, the Giants are still in first of the NFC East. Um, we recorded this episode, I think, on Sunday night before the Monday night football game, Cowboys versus Seahawks. The Seahawks lost to the Dallas Cowboys 23-17. And that puts them at 3-7-1. They are third in the division. We are still tied with Washington uh, record-wise, but we do um, we won both of our games against them this season, so that puts us in first. So we're still in first place. And what I was going at was I'm excited to see um I said the Cowboys apparently. That's what Alex is saying. Alex, what's going on there? I said the I said the Cowboys that whole time.
1: So, uh, yeah, you were like, yeah, the Cowboys lost to the Seahawks, but you know, we all knew what you were talking about, so it's all okay. Um we we no, always I'm glad.
0: Like- I'm glad you cleared that up. I'm glad you cleared that up. But yeah, so I'm excited to see what the rushing will do because we have Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris who's looking pretty good, not Devonta Freeman. I don't know what the deal is with him on the IR still. Um, but they looked really good against the Bengals, which is another team that's banged up on the defensive end. So I don't blame it. But this game, they only allowed 17 points against the Eagles. But Carson Wentz, they look they look awful right now. The Eagles, um, and the Giants are you know on the better side with three wins in a row against. Yes, I know teams that are the Eagles and the Washington Football Team and the Bengals without Joe Burrow. I understand, but this defense is not supposed to be good. So if We don't have Daniel Jones, that's fine, because we have Wayne Gallman right now. And Wayne Gallman is looking like a number one running back, which is scary because uh, I don't know if you Giants fans know this, Wayne Gallman is a free agent at the end of this year. So I'm interested to see if a team might want to get him as their running back number two, running back number one. Uh, And I don't know if the Giants are going to want to go after him this offseason. But yeah, something to look forward to, at least in this game, Alex, go ahead.
1: On the other end of the spectrum, when you're talking about Wayne Gallman and his ability uh, to be that number one guy for a team, maybe even the Giants, then you look at that number two overall pick of Saquon Barkley, and you say, we could have gotten a guy in Wayne Gallman who was, what, undrafted, I believe, right? Um, And, you know, it's just, uh, you could have gotten someone like him, we've seen undrafted free Antonio Gibson, we've seen this season break out, we've seen James... Uh, Robinson for the Jaguars so like there's so many different players and sometimes thinking about the fact that we picked a running back at number two as much as I love Saquon he's my favorite player on the Giants it just doesn't it's not a good look for Dave Gettleman um seeing Wayne Gallman do so well just in my opinion
0: so Wayne Gallman Alex was not undrafted he actually wasn't really even close to that so it's okay don't worry about it he was drafted in the fourth round by the New York Giants, pick 140 in the 2017 NFL draft. Um, and so that, that's all good. He was a 14th running back selected in that year's draft. So if I'm going to have to go back to 2017, we'll see how he looks now in this season because this is definitely best season of his career. I think also the season that he's gotten you know, the most uh, most chances to. I mean, um, number one running back compared to what, number three? Jonathan Stewart, if you remember those days. Um, what was his name? Orleans Darkwa. I think he was he was definitely there in the 2017-2018 season. So he really hasn't had a chance uh, to prove himself. And now he's the number one running back for the Giants. And I talk about this because I want to mention that we had a, a signing of Deion Lewis. You look at the signings this offseason. We had Blake Martinez, James Bradbury. Great signings by Dave Gettleman. Then you have the signing of Deion Lewis, the backup in Tennessee, who I actually thought, bright future, you know, receiving back, pretty cool. So we had... Saquon but if you wanna if everyone's healthy, right? And we had all these running backs still, if you wanna list it out, okay, Saquon Barkley number one, Devonta Freeman number two. Yes, I know we brought him in for Saquon, but I'm just listing all the running backs that we have on the Giants roster, technically. Um Devonta Freeman two, number three seems like Wayne Gallman, number four got signed by the practice squad, and now he's on the actual uh, uh excuse me, roster. Whoa. I I just um uh, Alfred Morris. Forgot his name for a second. And then number five is Deion Lewis. He's just, he's just, he doesn't exist on this Giants team anymore. I mean, he's there. He comes in on those third down and longs as the receiving back. That's perfectly fine. But I mean, what a waste of a signing at this point, to be if I'm gonna have to be honest. We we really don't use him right now. So that's something you gotta think about. And then sticking to the running back while we're on this now. Alex, you know, we'll talk about this more in the off-season pods uh, episodes, do you pay Saquon Barkley the big money at the end of this year? We're coming up on when Saquon's going to want to sign the extension. He might want to get Christian McCaffrey money. He shouldn't want to because he's gotten injured now two seasons uh, in a row. You know, last season was only what four to five games. I think he missed whatever it was this season. He's missed the whole season, but he's going to want that money. So I don't know if we want to keep going with the rookie extension, how we're going to work that out. But, uh, Just some little early, early uh, off-season pod stuff now in the season. What do you think with Saquon Barkley's contract?
1: I I don't think you can sign him for any amount of money close to Christian McCaffrey right now. Because he's missed this entire season. We have no idea what the long-term effects of this injury is going to be for him. Right? We assume he's going to get back and be back to his form, but how do we know he's not going to get injured again? How do we know he's not going to tear his ACL again? I just don't think as talented that's, of a player...
0: That's tough, by the way. Tara's ACL again. That's another year-long injury.
1: I'm I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. I'm just saying you never know with these things. And, you know, there's no evidence to be said that he can stay healthy for an entire season. Like, it just doesn't seem like he can do that. Yeah, This I mean, is rookie season, I mean, but, you know, there were some things riddled in there too, so... I, I think it's just important that we wait and see. I think however we do that, uh, you know, whatever the fifth year option or whatever on his rookie deal, I think we do that and try to sign him, you know, maybe a few games into next season, um, you know, where we can see that he, you know, can get it done and not get injured.
0: Right. No, and I, I completely agree with you. And we don't know what, what Dave is going to do. Dave Gettleman, you know, you know, our, our GM on the team our GM for right now on the team, like we don't even know what the deal is with that, right? Dave Gettleman right now is playing pretty well, so you would have to, the Giants are playing pretty well, so you would have to think, okay, he's going to he's gonna stay on the team, right, um, for another season for right now. But who knows what the deal is with Dave Gettleman? You don't know what the owners are thinking, right? You don't know what John Maher is thinking right now. We, we have no idea. So maybe Gettleman starts. But I do have to say right now at our record of 4-7, no matter what you think, Joe Judge has completely turned this team around. Joe Judge has completely turned this team around. You have Pat Shermer; He did nothing. You have Ben McAdoo with the haircut. I still make fun of that, the hairstyle to the whatever side. Uh, the sunglasses. He did He did nothing, right? We have a Giants 4-win team, right? And, and, and we had Pat Shermer get a 4-win team as well. 5-win team, I think. Whoa, very, very special. Good for him. Joe Judge, the locker room, I'm, I'm sure, you know, from what I've heard. I'm not in the locker room, but the atmos- I feel like the atmosphere uh, for the players at, at, at practices and stuff, he just, from what you see publicly, right, from the press conferences of players, from how they talk about Joe Judge and that just maybe because he's the coach and they got to respect him, so they got to talk highly of him. It looks like he's done so well with this Giants uh, team. And I mean, Saquon Barkley went on NFL Network this week and said the same exact thing, too. So just something I got to put out there.
1: Yeah, and when you're talking about Dave Gettleman, right? The Giants, yes, they're doing well this season. But yes, they've been in close games. They could have a better record. But we're still a four-win team right now, currently. And we're most likely not going to be more than a six-win team. So I think his job is not guaranteed to be safe if they make the playoffs at six and uh, six and ten or even if they make the playoffs somehow five and eleven if that's even possible Uh, like I think you know I think what this year has shown us is the impact that Joe Judge has had on this team yes Dave Gettleman did hire him so you got to give him props for that but I think if I was uh, the owners of the Giants right now I would bring in someone from within to do more of the financial aspect of being a GM and have uh, Joe Judge more of the player guy and almost like a uh a de facto uh GM for the Giants, I think going forward. I think he's proven that much already in his rookie season as a head coach.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I'm just gonna go over here, this is who I have uh coming up as free agents uh in the future and I feel like we're on an off season pod right now and then we'll get we'll get to the Seahawks preview. Don't worry about that. So it's basically all the all the rookies, Austin Mack, here I see Adrian Colbert. Brandon Williams, Casey Kreider, Alvin Morris. So maybe we want to re-sign him to another year. I'm interested to see what they do with David Sills with the injury there. Uh, CJ Board, Devontae Downs, Savanta Freeman, Austin Johnson, Dion Lewis. See about that. Nate Ebner, and that's about it. Uh, Let's see. No, there's got to be more. Yeah, Colt McCoy, Wayne Gallman I have here as well. And then some other people and then i think the rest are 2021 um there could be some players on their options that they might want to re-sign or or stuff like that but yeah those are the players that are so the biggest one out of those bunch is probably going to be wayne goleman see what the giants do re-signing him um that's about it i mean leonard williams right leonard williams is a free agent sorry about that i forgot about that a franchise tag franchise tagged him so He's gonna be a free agent no matter what. We'll see what we wanna do with that. Forgot about that. So that yeah, that's a big one. Uh traded the pick for him. All of that. I gotta stop talking now. Alex, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I I think for now we'll obviously in the off season, um we're gonna do a ton of this. We'll talk about this stuff for all of the episodes because we 'cause we're gonna have nothing else to talk about most likely, so um, yeah, so you can look forward to that. So you just got a sneak preview to our off season episodes. So. Seriously,
0: fourteen uh, minutes. If
1: that doesn't make you excited? Then I don't know <laughs> what would.
0: Fourteen minutes of sneak preview off season during a season game, a regular season game that could litter- that could determine us staying in first place of the NFC East. But yet we're talking about the off season. All right, to everyone who came here for your Seattle Seahawks New York Giants preview, here it is. Let's start out with the entries, uh report stuff. Uh, This came out on December 1st. That's, you know, the earliest we can get right now. Um, Activated off the COVID-19 list was offensive tackle Matt Parrott. I'm excited about that. Wide receiver Dante Pettis, also excited about that. He's been on the practice squad. He got elevated to put on the COVID list. I want to see him on the field. I want to see what he can do. And tight end Caden Smith, uh, who went on the IR this week, Kyler Fackrell. That could be a little scary. We'll see what happens. Um, But, yeah, so that's at least three weeks right now. And then terminated from the practice squad was Derek Dillon and Nate Whiting, Weeding, Whiting, tight end. And then waived was defensive back Montre Hardage and punter Ryan Santos. So I guess we don't need a punter. I guess Riley Dixon's good. Maybe they got that for Graham Gnoll. I don't even know why we had a punter on the practice squad. Um, but that's your injury report. And I think, Alex, you got anything to say on that real quick?
1: Nothing much besides Fackrell, like you said, might be a little bit of an issue there. Um, But, you know, Leonard Williams has been getting a lot of, uh, you know, sacks as we've seen this season, a lot of interior pressure from the Giants. So I think we'll be okay. Um, And there's been some other, you know, standouts at the edge rusher position. Also, uh, you know, people like Carter Coughlin, who's come in and done a decent job as well.
0: Alright, so let's move on to it. We'll go to the three points right now, the famous three points here on the Giant Take podcast. We'll start off, or I'll just I'll go through all of them. First one's gonna be be careful with the turnovers on the offensive end. This is mainly geared um towards Colt towards Colt McCoy. I think he I think he's gonna be a good option. I think we're gonna, you know, go run heavy, but I think he could get the work get the job done and he won't be coming. In the middle of the game, when he's not supposed to come, here are some quotes that I got. Uh, one of them was from Sterling Shepherd. One of them was from Julie, um, whoa, um, um, Jabril Peppers. Forgot his first name for a second there. I'm forgetting names on this podcast right now. So we'll start off uh, with Sterling Shepherd. He said, we've gotten a lot of work done in practice and after practice as well. I've been with him since camp. Then obviously we went to work a little bit in the off season as well. I've got a lot of work with him and have a lot of confidence in him. So, good from Sterling Shepherd, that means they have some communication, obviously, and you know some experience often on the field um so that that could be good little personal relationship there, but I'm sure he has a relationship with all all of his teammates. You would hope, and then Drabil Pepper said his experience he diagnoses coverages really well, very fast, he gets through his progressions really well, he has some tricks that he likes to throw at us whether it's no-look passes or looking off the safety, throwing it backside. So it looks like on Sunday we're going to see some Patrick Mahomes action from Colt McCoy. I think that's really what's going to happen. Uh, And then second's going to be rushing, like I mentioned earlier. Let's hope against this bad Seattle Seahawks defense that has looked good, actually, uh, in the game against the Eagles, but that's the Eagles, and we're also the Giants, same division, whatever. Um, Let's hope they look good in this game. And then finally, cornerbacks do your job and please lock down DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett I know it's a lot to ask especially um, with a fourth rounder in Darnay Holmes and also for not I don't even know what round he was we traded a seventh rounder for him Isaac Giotum you know please lock them down so again three points number one be careful with turnovers on the offensive end that's kind of geared towards Colt McCoy rushing let's get some rushing yards let's control the rushing yards versus the Seahawks which is another thing hard to ask because of Chris Carson and then cornerback, do your job and lock down DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett
1: yeah as we talk about many many times um you know throughout the interview um you know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett that's going to be not fun so you know we got to look out for that and hopefully Colt McCoy can come through um, moving on to our score predictions now. I'm going to go for Seahawks win. I believe it'll be 24-20 Seahawks. I think it'll be a close game. Um, and I think our defense will do a decent amount. Um, and I am predicting a Golden Tate touchdown.
0: Golden Tate touchdown. Of course, you got to go there. am not getting into Golden Tate again. Um, I'm going to go Seahawks win. I think they'll get a good 20 I'll go one more than they got on Monday Night Football. I will go twenty four, twenty four seven, twenty four, twenty four, twenty four ten, twenty
1: four ten Seahawks. Wow, that's quite a blowout for you there, Josh. Um, so now we're gonna go talk with Mookie Alexander. So we're going to the interview now.
0: We are back now with a very special guest. Mookie Alexander is an editor at Field Goals by SB Nation. You can go follow him on Twitter at Mookie Alexander. Mookie, how's it going today?
2: Uh, it's going all right. Uh, good to talk to you too and uh, and just talk to you football in general because both of our teams are in first place. You know, very <laughs> different records, but first place is first place.
0: Yeah, very true. I mean, you guys, I I have to be honest, we talked to um, someone from the Rams, Rich Hammond, from uh, who, who covers the Rams and that NFC West division is such a hard division to, you know, to play in. So for the, for the Seahawks to be in first in that division, I think is, is, um, you know, something in itself because Rams are only one game behind them. And then you have the Cardinals 49ers who their teams all injured, but, you know, on a good day, that division is probably the best in football. So You know, coming from that to the NFC East, um, not looking so good. But I want to start out by, you know, asking you what your thoughts were of the game on Monday night and uh, how the Seahawks played against the Eagles, which is, you know, our NFC East rivals.
2: Well, uh, the game was a bit boring. Uh, You know, it wasn't a well-played game at all, but it's a road win. I'll take it because the Seahawks had lost three straight on the road prior to this. And uh, at least the defense dominated a bad Eagles offense because my biggest worry was that this defense would actually make Carson Wentz look pretty good. And that didn't happen. They've been playing a lot better these last couple of weeks. The offense has taken a a couple of steps back, but uh, hopefully they'll get some key guys back from injury on the offensive line. And uh, just in general, the, the Seahawks seem to have the Eagles number they've never lost to Philadelphia with Russell Wilson at quarterback and they normally just play the same low scoring game over and over again it's just instead of 17 to 9 like it was the last season both times it's 23 17 and the final score is a bit misleading because the Eagles hail Mary touchdown was was just garbage time really because it's so hard to get onside kicks um so I, I think Russell Wilson will have bigger numbers again over the next few weeks especially since uh We have seen them try and run the ball more, but it's not been as effective. It certainly wasn't effective against uh, Philadelphia, but uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are just an incredible one-two duo. Some weeks you get Metcalf, some weeks you get Lockett, other weeks you get both. And you very rarely can shut both of them down at the same time. So, you know, for the Seahawks, to to answer your question, I think it was like a B- minus performance, but I'll take it. They they got into first place in the division, and really this was an important win because if they didn't win this, then the Rams would have the tiebreaker and they'd still be in first. But instead, the Seahawks are in pretty good shape to win this division as long as they take care of the easy part of their schedule over the next three weeks.
1: Yeah, and you're mentioning DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett there. I'm not sure if you're aware of the Giants' secondary situation, but... We kind of only have one solid cornerback and, you know, that's a lot of teams don't have two very good ones. And the thing is you can't cover both and it's going to be very difficult. And I think, you know, even DK Metcalf, we saw him go up against Darius Slay, really the only cornerback that's been able to kind of shut him down was Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, so I think it's definitely gonna be a tough task for, you know, a kind of young secondary that we have at the Giants. But yeah, on Monday night, you know, a lot of people were saying Carson Wentz didn't Uh, play very well at all I I feel like some people are overdoing it Um, I thought the Seahawks defense actually played better than they usually do I I usually watch them sometimes when they're on prime time Um, and yeah that that was just my thoughts from the game
2: yeah the Seahawks defense should get some credit for how bad they made Wentz look and also it's not entirely Wentz's fault I think Wentz is a major part of the problem but that entire offense is just a, a total mess in terms of the roster construction, uh, the injuries. I mean, they have very poor receiving talent at this point, lack of a consistent running game, and and then just a banged-up offensive line that just can't block people all that well. So the the Seahawks' defense, as you said, they've been playing better, especially since they got Carlos Dunlap in the trade. He's injured now, and I don't know if he even played this weekend. Um, But the pass rush has gotten much better, and I think it's just helped the defense in general now that they can get after the quarterback without without having to blitz so much because – the problem early in the season is they blitz more than they're comfortable, uh, you know, at a higher rate than they're normally comfortable with, and it just led to so many busts in the secondary so that receivers are just running wide open. So I hope that this means the Seahawks have turned a corner with their defense, because if that happens, then they should really be making a, a serious push to make the Super Bowl. I'm not saying win the Super Bowl, because I think whoever comes out of the AFC is going to win it, but they really are, are, are well-equipped, especially in a weaker NFC to at least get to the conference championship game.
0: I want to ask now, um, about a trade that happened this past off season, which was for Jamal Adams. And I don't know if you, I want to ask about your, you know, your thoughts on it. Cause we've seen good games and bad games from Jamal Adams. So I want to ask, you know, your overall, if you, if you would give a grade for that trade, um, for the Seahawks.
2: Well, I'm still, I'm still a bit on the fence about whether it was justified to, to trade two first-rounders for him. But he is one of the team's best pass rushers. I mean, he has six-and-a-half sacks, which leads the team. And six-and-a-half sacks would, would be pretty high for just about anybody at this stage of the season. And for a safety to have six-and-a-half sacks is quite impressive. He's an incredible blitzer. But his aggressiveness to get down into the, the backfield or get into the backfield and, and play close to the line of scrimmage it's also one of his bigger weaknesses when he actually has to go cover people because he did get picked on in the new England game. He's also gambled a bit on his blitzes and ended up blowing his assignment. He gave up an open touchdown against Arizona a couple of weeks ago, but I thought this was a good week for him in the Eagles game, as far as covering his receivers and, and just staying assignment correct. And he's one thing that's been pretty consistent is he's a really good tackler. And that's what the Seahawks must've loved about him because one of the issues for Seattle over the last couple of seasons is this isn't the Legion of Boom anymore. The tackling has been very sloppy. So Adams provides not just sound tackling, but also significant help as a run defender, too, because the Seahawks have one of the best run defenses in the league. Um, you know, you just got to give it time because he, he did miss several games due to injury uh, with the, uh, the the hamstring strain. Uh, so I, well, I can't remember. No, not hamstring strain. It was a, a groin strain but still missing four games or five games, however many it was while trying to get yourself into a new system that can affect your performance. So I, I think now that Adams is, is, healthy again, he's getting regular playing time. Uh, we're going to see the best of Jamal Adams pretty soon. And I'm optimistic that the Seahawks, if they, well, not even if, they better sign him to a long-term deal. He can be one of the premier uh, defensive players in the league on a much more established team like Seattle compared to being the sad dumpster fire. That's the New York jets.
1: Yeah, you know, the one thing for me when I saw that trade when they announced it is that, you know, Jamal Adams had come out publicly saying, you know, I want to leave the Jets and the fact that the um, Seahawks had to pay two first round picks seems like quite a bit. That was my initial impression of it. Um, obviously, the Seahawks are a win-now team compared to uh, a lot of teams like the Giants, who are obviously not. Um, that, that was my thought about it. Um, when you when it came out, did you think it was a little bit extreme at first?
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was extreme, and I thought, boy, if this doesn't work out, this is going to be really damaging for the general manager, John Schneider, and even Pete Carroll as well, because if it fails and, say, Seattle becomes a bad team, something crazy happens, they miss the playoffs, you don't have a first-round pick to build on, and that pick ends up obviously belonging to the Jets. But on the other hand, it, they really needed to upgrade the safety position. I know Bradley McDougall was a good safety for the Seahawks, and they, they got – they sent him to the Jets as part of this deal. But Adams is so versatile because he's more than just a safety. He's a safety by name, but you can line him up at slot corner. You can have him on the line as a blitzer. You can have him kind of like as a rogue linebacker, sort of um, like in that Dayon Buchanan role when he was with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so th- that versatility matters so much as the Seahawks try and, and, and figure out how to define themselves and, and, and establish a different identity. Compared to what they had with the Legion of Boom, they can't just copy and paste what they did with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and Byron Maxwell, and just deal with this, a different set of players now. It's clearly not worked. So with Adams, they're willing to mix things up more, uh, change up the coverages, and um, you know he, he's still very young. He's what 24 years old. Y- you figure that this was a trade meant for Adams to be a long-term Seahawk, and. Yeah, he's had some ups and downs this season. But again, the injuries that the injury issues that I mentioned have have affected his performance and affected his ability to stay on the field. But if you think big picture, uh, he could be one of the key pieces for the Seahawks for, for years to come, especially with the next few years of Russell Wilson's prime, especially since the other remaining players from the old Legion of Boom days, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. It's possible they're not here in 2021, certainly not 2022, I would suspect. Um, So Adams can just be the new focal point for the Seahawks defense to build on.
0: Right. So I was actually going to, you know, kind of touch on Russell Wilson a bit, kind of transitioning now towards the New York Giants uh, and, you know, the game that's going to happen on Sunday. What are your thoughts on Russell Wilson? How do you think he'll be able to play against this pretty good defense, Um, which is crazy to say because we as Giants fans went into this season thinking um, this defense would be the weakness of our team. They turned out that right now they're basically a top 10 offense. They've been able to shut down other offenses, um, that have been pretty good, the Rams, the Buccaneers, et cetera, Cowboys when, you know, before Dak Prescott was injured, or he actually got injured um, in that game. So, you know, what are your thoughts for Russell Wilson and kind of the Seahawks offense, how um, going into this game?
2: Well, Russell Wilson started out with with MVP level plays, some of the best of his career, the first six, seven weeks. And that's where the yeah, you, uh, our Seahawks Twitter, the, the Seahawks fan community was pushing, let Russ cook, meaning, you know, don't run the ball as often. And if you're going to run it, run it smarter, like don't run the ball on second and 15, for example, and also set up Wilson to succeed more with the passing game and have a pass first offense. And then it took a bit of a, an ugly turn these last few weeks, especially dating back to the first Arizona Cardinals game where he was having uncharacteristic uh, turnovers. He had, I think, 10 turnovers over the span of four games, and Seattle not coincidentally went one and three during that stretch. So they've dialed it down a bit these last two games against Arizona and Philadelphia, where Wilson's still throwing a majority of the time, but he, he's not taken too many deep shots lately. In fact, his, his yardage total is, is quite low by his standards. I mean, the, the DK Metcalf connection on Monday, he had 177 of Wilson's 230 passing yards. And that's not something that you normally see out of a Seahawks offense. So against the Giants, uh, from what I've seen, uh, James Bradbury seems like a really good corner and one of the best acquisitions for uh, New York. Uh, the pass rush seems uh, quite formidable, and that's going to be key because Seattle's offensive line is a bit shaky depending on the health of Dwayne Brown and Mikey Upati, the left tackle and left guard, because they were both dinged up at the end of Monday's game. And uh, right tackle Brandon Shell. I don't know if he'll be back this week because he suffered an ankle sprain in the Cardinals game and his replacement, Cedric Owehi, was extremely bad uh, in the Eagles game. It's a wonder that Wilson didn't get sacked like six, seven times with how bad he was. Um, So, you know, if the Seahawks offense is going to be able to exploit the Giants defense, they're going to have to really move the pocket around more, run more play action, um, stop spamming ineffective running plays because they really couldn't get the running game going at all on Monday. And uh, take your chances on other Giants secondary players. So, you know, don't necessarily go Bradbury's way. Even You know, just because they went Darius Slay's way a bunch and had success doesn't mean you just repeatedly go after the team's top corner. You try and exploit the weaknesses of the Giants' defense. So maybe more throws to tight ends, running more screens to counter any pressures that the Giants send. So I'm confident that the Seahawks will be able to to figure it out against the Giants because they are at home. It's not going to be a bad weather game. But I'm not going to discount the Giants' chances totally because they have been playing better. I know that the Giants haven't been playing good teams. Like, they beat the same Philadelphia team. They, they beat Washington, and they're 4-7, and seven and they beat uh, Cincinnati without Joe Burrow. But they were also competitive against the Buccaneers and nearly won that game. So, you know, you, you can't discount this team, even though they might not have Daniel Jones, especially since there's reason for the Giants to play hard. They can legitimately make the playoffs. So I'm expecting the Giants' best. And uh, we'll see if Russell Wilson and company can counter that.
1: Yeah, it'll definitely be a scary Sunday for Josh and I, you know, talking about the two receivers and having either Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf on one of our favorite corners, who's extremely bad. um, Isaac Yottam, that's giving us uh, (laughs) high blood pressure. So that's not going to be fun. Um, But moving to the Giants offense and the Seahawks defense again, no Daniel Jones. Obviously that's a huge, you know, loss for the giants. There's still maybe an outside shot. He plays very unlikely, Um, you know, still waiting on more details, but Colt McCoy is most likely the starter. I think that's going to limit, you know, our offensive potential here, but the defense for the Seahawks, like you mentioned, has not been great this season. Do you think they're going to be able to step it up this game um, and really cause Colt McCoy some problems?
2: I hope they can because Colt McCoy has barely played the last three years. I didn't even know he's still in the league until uh, one of the Giants games earlier in the season where I saw him on the sidelines. So, you know, Daniel Jones, even though I've made fun of him and the fact that he turns the ball over so much, I don't think he had a turnover in any of the last three games, including the Bengals one where unfortunately he had the hamstring injury. I would think that the Giants would prevent him from playing this weekend because a hamstring injury is something you don't want to, to mess around with. If he re-aggravates that, or if it becomes a tear, that's the end of the season. So you don't want to do that to your franchise quarterback. Colt McCoy, uh, he doesn't have the athleticism or the arm that Daniel Jones has. He, he's, you know, kind of a, a play it safe quarterback, which means I don't think you're going to see too many deep shots or, or, or really aggressive throws out of him. And if you do, it's likely going to end badly. But I think that the Seahawks defense, even though they were really awful the first half of the season. They've been better in recent weeks. The the caveat here is that if Carlos Dunlap can't play, we might see them revert back to the the terrible defenses from from earlier in the season because if they can't get after the quarterback with just a four-man rush, they're going to blitz more. And as I said earlier, when they blitz more, they tend to leave themselves exposed in man-to-man coverage and then just have some miscommunications in the secondary. So I'm pretty sure the Seahawks defense can get this done. And another big factor for Seattle is that the run defense has been fantastic. Uh, you know, there have only been two games where they've struggled to stop the run, and that was against the Minnesota Vikings, who've got an elite running back in Dalvin Cook, and the Arizona Cardinals in the first game. And a lot of that damage was done in the second half through a combination of Chase Edmonds and Kyler Murray's legs. So the Giants, I know there's no Saquon Barkley. I'm impressed with the way Wayne Gallman has performed. Um, I guess Devontae Freeman is still injured so maybe he won't be a factor at all and if he is he's just going to be the backup but if the Giants are just forced to pass all the time I imagine that could lead to more turnovers and it could be a long day for New York but yeah really you never know because we've seen so many wacky results this year Uh, I I know that the Seahawks have never lost to the Giants with Russell Wilson at quarterback but again, Seattle plays so many close games. It's been a long time since it just blew a team out from start to finish. And the Giants have been reasonably competitive in pretty much all of their losses as well. So, um, you know, this is an important game and I I expect there to be a high level of intensity on Sunday afternoon.
0: All right, so speaking of that, I'm going to have to ask you at your score prediction for Sunday, 4 p.m. here, uh, at least uh, Eastern time, What's your score prediction, Giants-Seahawks?
2: Ooh, well, I almost got the Eagles score right. I said 27-17, and it ended up being 23-17. This is a tough one because I feel like Seattle is capable of blowing the Giants out, but the Seahawks just have too many issues where they just like to let teams hang around for too long, whether they're a great team or not great team. So I think it's going to be close through – two two and a half quarters and then the Seahawks start to pull away uh, with a combination of turnovers and big plays on offense from Russell Wilson to one of his receivers or also uh, or Chris Carson on the running game because Carson is clearly a better back than Carlos Hyde and uh, as long as he's healthy I think he can really overpower a lot of those Giants defensive linemen and linebackers so I think it's going to be something like uh, 34 to 20.
0: No I like that I mean I I agree I think it definitely could get high scoring. I just don't know. I mean, we haven't seen the giants give up the last time the giants gave up that amount of points was against the 49ers. Right. And that was with their all injured team. We were like, there's no chance for the giants. And then that was like the most injury. They were like starting their third string running back receivers were injured. It was um wasn't even Jimmy Garoppolo starting that game. And then we just like got blown out. It was it was crazy. So I don't know if the Giants will go up 30 something points. And I mean we'll we'll have to see how the game goes, but no, I could definitely see that score prediction. I, I definitely I definitely could see that.
2: Yeah. And if the Giants have a chance, it's gonna have to be getting after Russell Wilson and, and forcing him into bad mistakes and, and more turnovers. So you know it just kind of that any given Sunday mode. So, you know, the Giants, like I said, they have a chance. I certainly give the Giants a better chance than the Jets. Now, the, the Jets the week after that, the Seahawks ought to be able to win that game by 40 points, and Geno Smith gets to play the whole fourth quarter. But uh, because of the way the Giants have looked the last few weeks, I've given them enough respect that I think they can hang around. And uh, the, the, the X factor here is, of course, if Colt McCoy is just lousy, then the Giants aren't going to be able to win, whether it's a 10-3 to game or a 34-20 game. Uh, but if he's just he does well enough as a backup, then this could be an interesting game. And, you know, I, I'd like to see at least one of these NFC East teams go on enough of a run so that like the winner of this division is eight and eight and not six and 10. I mean, th- th- it's an all time bad division. And I bet you two did not expect that at one and seven, you'd be sitting here thinking, wow, this team can actually make the playoffs now with a home playoff game.
1: Yeah, we definitely didn't. Um <laughs> It's kind of shocking, but you know, the division is the way it is. There's been lots of injuries at the quarterback position for pretty much all teams, except for the Eagles. Um, <clears throat> so I, I just think, yeah, I mean all the teams, the, you know, the Cowboys, the Eagles, they're not as, you know, really in rebuilding mode. The giants in Washington are obviously both in kind of a big rebuild right now. And, and, you know, just the Eagles are in a bad place and obviously the Cowboys loss uh losing Dak Prescott so you know as much as it's surprising if you had all those factors in um it's not exactly surprising that the NFC East is so bad
2: yeah that that is true I mean we're basically a Carson Wentz injury away or benching from every NFC East team having to start their backup quarterback and in the case of Washington and Dallas they had to start their third stringers uh, you know for at least one game Uh, you know the Cowboys had what's his name Ben DiNucci so four stringer and then uh, Garrett Gilbert. So a third stringer and Washington, Alex Smith was technically the third string quarterback because Kyle Allen ended up breaking his ankle, I believe against the giants. Right. So yeah, this is uh, th- this is the most 2020 of uh, NFL divisions. You would say the NFC East.
1: All right. Mookie Alexander is an editor at field goals. Um, you can go follow him on Twitter at Mookie Alexander. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today.
2: Thanks for having me on.
1: That was our interview with Mookie Alexander. We hope you guys enjoyed it. It's just me today for the outro. So starting with our Week 12 picks, I went 8-7, and and Josh went 10-5. Luckily, he's not here to brag about it, so that's good. Um, So hopefully an improvement for this week. um, For me, not a great record there. So moving on to this week's picks, um, starting with the Browns and Titans, we both have the Titans, Raiders, Jets, we both have the Raiders, Vikings, Jaguars, we both have the Vikings, Dolphins, Bengals, we both have the Dolphins, Colts, Texans, we both have the Colts. And here, a different one. Uh, Lions, Bears, I have the Lions. Josh has the Bears. And then we both have the Saints. Um, I have the Rams against the Cardinals. Josh has the Cardinals. Um, Another different one here, too. I have the Patriots uh, against the Chargers. Josh has the Chargers. Um, We both have the Packers against the Eagles. And we both have the Chiefs uh, against the Broncos and the Steelers um, against Washington. And we both have the Bills um, against the 49ers, and we both have the Ravens against the Cowboys. So now go into thegianttake.com. You can go check it out there at thegianttake.com. I'll mention it again. Uh, We have new blog posts. Josh just put one up about Knicks draft grades. So if you're interested in Knicks, basketball, anything, just go check it out no matter what. Uh, Really well-written piece um, there. So go check that out on thegianttake.com. You can listen to episodes And if you scroll to the bottom of the homepage, um, there is a newsletter you can subscribe to, which will give you updates on all those things, so make sure to check that out. And what else? Uh, Follow us on Twitter at TheGiantTakePod. Follow me at Anorian23 and follow Josh at JoshSolo29. Um, Subscribe um, and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. That would be very nice, um, and we really appreciate it. And if you could also share with anyone, so uh, you know, share the podcast with others, we'd really appreciate that as well. Um, Josh and I, with uh, Peter, who's been on this podcast before, run a Chelsea FC podcast, a soccer podcast. Um, they play in the Premier League. If you're interested in that, go check it. Uh, go check it out at Talking Blues on Twitter. Um, so go check that out, and you could look it up at uh, Talking Blues on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. So that's been a wrap for episode number 65. I've been your host, Alex, always joined by Josh. And we'll see you next time for another Giants recap.